I thank you for your attendance. I thank you for the opportunity to be here to speak to you tonight. I've chosen a topical study this evening, and that study will surround the word love, more specifically, the word agape found in our New Testaments. This word in our New Testament is derived from three Greek words, storge, which is used in the sense of family love, and as far as I know, only used once in our New Testaments. Phileo is another word which carries the idea of brotherly love. And agape is the love that we will spend, again, the bulk of our time discussing this evening. Agape carries the idea of selflessness or selfless love. While it's unfortunate that these words are translated into our one English word love, it is nonetheless the case. If you think about it, there are times when we don't know what a word means and we go to our dictionaries to look, them, uh, look at the definition. And uh, quite often, one word is a tremendous summary of what that word uh, attempts to convey. And we need to, again, understand what the word means. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 46, tells us that we should love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Please ask yourself this question tonight. Do I love God that way? Do I love Him with all my heart, mind, and soul? Do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Do we do that in addition to loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul? The Bible tells us to. Our children have been a blessing to us in this regard, helping us to see more like they do. As I was working on this lesson, Allison asked if she could come and sit with me. And I was going over this passage, and she asked me, are we supposed to love the bad guys too? My immediate response was, yes, but we need to think about that. Matthew 5.44 tells us that we are to love our enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So, should we love the bad guys? Could this be Satan at work in our culture? To allow us to even think that for a moment. Does he want us to neglect those outside of the bond of Christ? Well, absolutely. Well, ask yourself this, does God? Absolutely not. In loving those that have not obeyed the gospel, we shall be perfect, just as our Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 48. Love is something that our God expects us to know and to do. He is love, and in our effort to please Him, we should be striving to become love ourselves. Number next, God is love. 1 John 4, 12 through 16 tells us that no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and He and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son as Savior of the world. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It stands to reason that if God is love, then we should be, do, be doing our best to be like him. So like God unselfishly gave himself for man, we should unselfishly give ourselves to God and to man. This means that we should pour our hearts, mind, and soul into putting God first. That would include loving him and our fellow man unselfishly, no matter the cost. Romans 5, 7 to 11 tells us, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This verse tells us that man frequently is unwilling to put himself in harm's way even for a good person. Notice the contrast. Yet our Savior was willing to die for much worse. That would be you and me. I'm not suggesting that we look for harmful situations to insert our, ourselves into, but we need to share the gospel with all people, no matter who they are and no matter what the cost. Christ was in a unique situ situation to save many, the whole world, in fact. All those that had existed before him, all that existed at that time, and all those that would exist after him. Like we have been put in a unique position to be able to save many through that same power that he affords us. In our being Christ-like, we need to perform our role like he did. We need to be prepared to share the gospel with others so they can make an informed decision as to their salvation. Have you ever considered the fact that the greatest love story ever written was about God's love for you? It's quite humbling to think, think along those lines. With that in mind, if it has not been in our minds, the planning of our day should be quite different. Perhaps we should ask ourselves the question, if not in the morning when we arise, but several times throughout the day, what am I going to do for God today? Number next, love is a choice. Culture teaches us that love is an emotion, not something that one can choose. While it is true, there are some that say, you cannot help who you fall in love with. Have you ever heard that? Or it was love at first sight. Have you ever thought about the implication of those phrases? That's not the sort of love that we read about in the New Testament. 1 John 3.18 tells us, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What's going on in this verse? God is telling us that love is not something we say, but something 
we do. Show people that you love them. I'm reminded, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen this, but My Fair Lady, there was a young lady who was uh, being taught how to speak better. And uh, this young man, uh, she, she caught his eye, and he, he was singing to her, and her response to his song was, you know, you're telling me this, but show me. She wanted to be shown. No doubt there's a time and place for saying so that you love someone else, but actions speak louder than words. If we are to love our fellow man, then we are going to have to work to get it done. This is harder than ever in our current cultural situation, is it not? Where it is very rare to see people out and about. I know there are people driving up and down the road. There are people all over in the grocery stores and that sort of thing, but are they really open to a casual conversation? Chances are pretty rare. They're going to do what they're going to do, and then they're going back to be in their home. So that's, that's the current situation today. We need to know how to deal with that and how to respond to it and how to uh, find ways to open conversations with others. We also must deal with the fact that so many today are willing to say that you have offended me. And we need to be prepared uh, on how to respond to that situation. Consider this. Our very own Jeff Miller wrote these words. Gathering all the relevant passages on agape, we learned that it can be defined in the following way. Having such concern for our well-being of someone, of, <clears throat> apologize, having such concern for the well-being of someone else that I am willing to unselfishly act on that concern for that person's well-being no matter who it is or the cost to me. Agape love is manifested through selfless acts. Well, it stands to reason we need to know what those are. Matthew 7, 12 tells us, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 16, 24 tells us, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Philippians 1, 15 to 17 tells us, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. So he's contrasting two different things here. The former preach Christ for selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 tells us, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you not only look out for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. 1 Corinthians 10.24 tells us, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. 
2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So these are all selfless acts that happened or can happen in us. Agape love, what agape love is, first, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Against such there is no law, Galatians 5.23. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.10 tells us, In this love, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Matthew 5, 43 to 48 tells us, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes this, his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." Agape love is essential. It's necessary. James 2.8 tells us, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, this is referenced back to Matthew uh, 22. 1 John 3.13-17 tells us, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him how does the love of God abide in him? John 13, 34 to 35 tells us, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. By the way, I, I failed to mention this earlier, all these verses... I use the Strong's Concordance to make sure that all these are forms of the word agape. Every time you hear love mentioned tonight, that's, that's where the word comes from. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 
So indeed, there's, there's something more than just doing these things. Uh, I talked about that it's, it's an act. It's a, a selfless act. But that act has to indeed be selfless. It's not what we're going to get, but who and what we're going to do in order to help somebody else. Colossians 3.14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And it stands to reason that uh, if agape love is a commandment, then lack of that love would be sinful. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40 the disciples asked, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Galatians 5.14 tells us, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 13, 9 to 10 tells us for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Number next, love is a command. John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Matthew 22, 37, which again we, we quote, and honestly we could repeat that, that section of scripture over and over uh, during the course of a sermon and it would be a good one. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. In conclusion, love is a gift. God manifested his love toward man by providing the blood of Christ to cleanse mankind of sin. The only sacrifice that can permanently wash away sins. God commands us to have this perfect love. 1 John 4, 17 to 19 tells us that love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Love will never fail. 1 Corinthians 13.8 tells us that. If you're not a New Testament Christian, you have heard the word of God this evening concerning love. If you want to know the love that has been described here tonight, you need to submit to God's plan concerning salvation. One must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the true and living God, Acts 16, 31. One must confess that Jesus is the Christ before men, Romans 10, 9 and 10. One must repent of your sin, that is to turn away from them, desiring to live a life in Christ, Luke 13, 3. One must submit to baptism, not a work, but an act of obedience 
towards God's will. Acts 2.38, then you must faithfully live until death so that you can receive that crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you have done these things and have allowed sin to creep into your life and take you away from God, won't you come as together we stand and sing? is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, then thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn thee away. Calling today. is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is pleading, oh, list to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice, quickly arise and is calling, is tenderly calling today.